Hey, welcome to Seacoast. We're glad you're here today. And I want to welcome those of you who are joining us right now, uh, either from an offsite campus in the, in the warehouse chapel here or uh, online. We're glad that you guys are here, especially those of you in Conway uh, today. Wow, you guys have been serving and working so hard. Do you, you realize that together as a church, uh, I think we've contributed about $75,000, $80,000 toward the relief effort you guys have through like $20 gifts and, and then uh, the folks in Conway together with some teams here uh, have been serving. Just because Hurricane didn't hit us that bad, uh, sometimes after the, the news is over, we don't realize that uh, people are going through a lot. You guys have served and let, let's just give them a hand. We appreciate um, how you guys are serving the community. So we're in a new series called Ghost Stories. Uh, because we're gonna be talking about the Holy Spirit and what is another name of the Holy Spirit? The Holy what? Ghost, all right? And it's October, Halloween. We thought it would fit real well. We wanna clarify some things. We believe that the Holy Spirit is probably the most misunderstood person of the Trinity. In fact, the Holy Spirit is often referred to, not in the Bible, but among people as it. How would you like to be referred to as it? The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a person that we want to have a relationship with. And we're going to do four weeks just talking about uh, who he is and how he works in our lives. I have two friends uh, that wrote books on the subject over the last four or five years. Uh, Chris Hodges uh, wrote a book called Fresh Air. Robert Morris wrote a book called The God I Never Knew. They're very good if you want to do some more research on it. Some of what I've got to say today is going to lean into some of their research but I do wanna say that the best parts of today are me, okay? So, I just haven't written a book yet. <laughs> so, so <laughs> turn to your neighbor and say, that was a joke, okay, yeah, we, we know. Actually true, but, um, so do you, let, let me ask you a question. Do you know anybody who talks about the Holy Spirit and they're just weird? Anybody, you don't have to point, just you know, you can shake your head. Yeah, you know, here's the truth they would probably be weird without the Holy Spirit. How do you know that? In fact, there are studies that say that about one of every three people are just weird, okay? Uh, so here's what I want you to do. Just look, look to the person next to you. We do that real quick, just look to the person. Now look at the, your second choice, okay, on the other side. And if, here's the, here's the facts. If, if neither one of them seem to be weird, it's you, okay? <laughs> Actually, there are no statistics like that, but I like it, it's kinda, it's kinda fun, right? Well, here's the point. You can be a normal person and believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. You really can. When I was growing up, I kinda wondered if that was true or not. You know, sometimes in the churches I grew up in, if you really believed in the power of the Holy Spirit, you wore too much makeup or not enough. You know, and it's just kinda, Nobody else grew up in places like that. Just kind of one, one, I'm not gonna use that in the next service. Thank you very much. They didn't laugh last night either. So, so what makes us, in fact, there are, there are whole denominations, whole churches that just don't wanna talk about the Holy Spirit. And I understand that. But what makes us afraid of the Holy Spirit? It's not Jesus. I'll tell you that for sure. Look at what Jesus had to say. In John chapter 14, and, and if you know the scriptures very well, you know that John 14 through 17 are kind of a, a last discourse. It's the Last Supper. 
and he's given some very important instructions to his disciples, he knows he's leaving. They don't kind of understand that. And if you've ever had a loved one that just goes, you know, it's, it's a disturbing thing. What, what's gonna happen, what's next, whatever. And so Jesus talks to him about what's coming next. And he says this. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. Can you say another helper? Another helper. That word is paraclete, parakletos, actually, in the Greek, and one of the interpretations is helper. He says, to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth. Jesus was with them for 33 years. Actually, he was with the disciples for three years or less. But he says there's a helper that's coming that's gonna be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and he will be in you, okay? So Jesus says the Holy Spirit is a helper. Look at this verse in John 14, 25. He says, these things I have spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, watch this, and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So Jesus calls the Holy Spirit a helper. Now what does he help me do? The Holy, hel the Holy, <laughs> the Holy Helper, the Holy Spirit helps me to know what to say. Brings to remembrance the words of Christ. You ever had that happen? You ever like maybe you've you got up one morning and you're reading a scripture, maybe in your quiet time, or just you know looked in your Bible or on your you know your phone or whatever wherever you happen to keep that, and you read a scripture, and then later on in that day you were talking to somebody or you ran into a circumstance, and that scripture popped into your head. You ever had that happen? Well, that's the Holy Spirit bringing to remembrance the words of Jesus. Okay, so Holy Spirit helps us. Um, to know what to say. He also helps me know not, what not to say. Have you ever started to say something and felt a check in your spirit? And then you went on with, you know, I shouldn't say this, but. <laughs> Anybody ever done that? And then after you said it, you thought, I sure shouldn't have said that. That was the Holy Spirit. You just weren't listening there. You, you heard him, but you didn't obey and listen because he told you, what not to say. Now, that word helper right here is like I said, it's from the Greek word parakletos, which also means comforter. He's called a comforter. So how many of you have a comforter in your house that you can't use? Anybody else have one of those? I will never forget when Debbie bought the first comforter in our house and it looked all big and comfortable. Comforter, comfortable. I climbed up right in the middle of that thing, wrapped myself in it. She came in and said, what are you doing? I said, I'm, I'm sleeping on the comforter. She said, we don't do that. They're for looks, not for use. Anybody else have that testimony? I'm not the only one. In fact, we have towels in our house that I can't use. You guys can. I remember drying my hands on a towel. She said, what are you doing? I said, I'm using the towel. No, 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 no. Those are guest towels. 
They are for looks, not for use. I said, what if our guests use them? It's okay, but it's not okay for me because there are some things that are for looks and not for use. The Holy Spirit is a comforter that's for use and not for looks. Does that make sense? The Holy Spirit has been given as a comforter in our lives in many ways. Jesus doesn't want us to be afraid of the Holy Spirit. So who wants you to be afraid of the Holy Spirit? The enemy of the church wants you to be afraid of the Holy Spirit. See, the very first church, the first century church, was amazing. I mean, they had, they had their issues, had their problems, they had normal people like you and I. If you have more than one person, how do you know you have communication problems, all right? And so, and so there's always that in a church, there's always that in a, in a business, in a family or whatever, but they did amazing things. In fact, it said that these are the people, people that were kind of opposed to them would say, these are the people that have turned the world upside down. Amazing things because of the power. They didn't have preconceived ideas. They didn't have fears of what the Holy Spirit was about. It was an amazing thing. And so the enemy of the church, the devil himself, uh, is at work in bringing about confusion. And one of the ways that he's done that is to put all the focus on one gift, okay? We talk about the Holy Spirit. Do you speak in tongues? Do you not speak in tongues? Is that an initial evidence or is it not? And what we wanna do is we're gonna talk about evidence. We wanna talk about benefits, okay? Because there are a lot of things that can unite us as a church, although I don't wanna devalue that particular gift and we'll talk about it at one point uh, during our message. But we're gonna talk about, or our message is, but we're gonna talk about the benefits, the power of the Holy Spirit, the love of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. In this series, one of the things we wanna do is demystify in one sense, although there, there's much that's mystical about the Holy Spirit, we wanna demystify uh, some of the uh, misconceptions about the Holy Spirit. Uh, years ago, when we started this church, and for several years, uh, Debbie and I hosted a newcomers group uh, every, every month, once a month, and we started it in our home some of you came to the newcomers group in our home, and then it grew, and we went to a clubhouse, and, and we hosted that. And we'd sit around in a circle, and we'd ask questions like, um, how'd you hear about Seacoast? How long you been coming? What do you like best? What do you think can be improved? Those kind of things. And, and we, would, we would almost always, almost every month, we'd get the same kind of question or comment, and it would go something like this. I walked into Seacoast, walked into the church, and sat down or stood during worship, and I began to cry. And I'm not much of a crier, people would say sometimes, but I began to cry. What is that? My answer would be, you're a big old sissy. That's all I can think of. You know? <laughs> no, my answer would be, you encountered in church the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. And that's one of the distinguishing characteristics of our church. We've always been about the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. I want you to feel something when you're here. That's a desire that we have. When we pray for you, when you come, we want it to be more than songs or more than just listening. We want you to feel something. Now, you can't you know, create your theology just strictly on feelings, but we do want you to experience the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit every week when we come together in worship. 
So let's talk about the Holy Spirit a little bit. Holy Spirit is introduced in one sense, actually introduced, it's all through, he's all through the Old Testament. And Jesus talks about him and about the power of the Holy Spirit, but it's introduced into the church, the whole concept of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter two. And in verse one it says this, on the day of Pentecost, which was 50 days after uh, Jesus was uh, crucified, the, uh, after the Passover, it says all of the believers were meeting together in one place. How many of them were there? There were about 120, according to the scriptures. They're in a hall, a meeting space, and, and um, they're meeting together, and suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. And so, and so they were in one, in one place, and, and suddenly they heard something, but they couldn't see anything. I mean, they didn't see anything different. And it sounded like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And so what I want to do today is talk about this, this kind of uh, idea or picture of the Holy Spirit as wind, because he came as a windstorm, and there are other scriptures that we're gonna study throughout the Bible, but what do we know about the wind? And how can we learn about the Holy Spirit? Well, the first thing we know about wind is that it's unpredictable. It's unpredictable. Would you agree with that? We saw that in the last hurricane. Um, that, uh, what was the name of the hurricane anyway that just came? Florence. Florence, yeah, don't name your kids Florence. Okay, if your name's Florence now, it's fine, but we don't need any more Florences. How of you know that? It, Go, that's, I guess that's not funny, but anyway, just having to think of that. So what do we learn during Florence? We learn to watch the Weather Channel every day. You know, at what, at, at five in the morning, at 11, yeah, you guys know what it is, and then there's intermediate ones at eight and two, all right, where they don't tell you anything new, but you watch anyway, all right. And then you, you, you got to be an expert at things like uh, steering currents, you didn't know what a steering current was, high pressure system, low pressure system, and all those squiggly lines about where it's gonna hit. And right up to the last minute, they weren't sure. In fact, that's why um, we had to cancel church. The governor uh, evacuated the entire uh, low country, actually, and all of our campuses, except for a couple of them, uh, were, were canceled be, because they said, you know, this, even with the wind currents on, they said a hurricane will do whatever it wants to. And it's liable that there were some things that said it might come south and all of that. And the truth is, wind is unpredictable. It's, it's unpredictable. Some of us don't like that about God. We want our God to be very predictable. Has anybody here ever had God mess up your plans? Have you? Yeah. We want God to be in a box. We want him to be predictable. Do you know why God doesn't work the same way all the time, doesn't do the same thing all the time? It's because we would worship the system, not the giver of the system. We would worship the experience. The experience would become holy rather than God being holy. Can you remember when we first started Seacoast, I've told you this story probably before, but they're all worth repeating, right? So, so when we first started Seacoast, oh, th this was so, so funny that, uh, a week ago, last week, I think, in the newspaper, they did an article about church planning. Did anybody read that? And nobody read that. Okay, we don't read the newspaper anymore, I, whatever. Anyway, they did an article about church planning and, and wanted to talk to me a little bit about it. And the a writer of the art, article had done research and he had said, you know, 
we saw that in the early years of Seacoast, you moved from an apartment complex to a movie theater to a school all in the first two or three years. And uh, he, he said, how did you handle that explosive growth where you outgrew those buildings and all of that? And I said, time out. It wasn't explosive growth. We got kicked out of every one of those buildings. <laughs> we were not growing at all. In fact, we didn't grow at all for the first three years. Didn't grow back to the original attendance of that first Sunday until the, the fifth year. But I remember those days, and uh, we, we came together from a lot of different backgrounds, and there were certain kind of groups of people that came together to start our church. And one group was from our original church, Northwood Assembly, just a great church in North Charleston, now it's up in the Somerville area. And uh, I remember a representative, kind of a representative from a group of people from uh, that church came to talk to me one day. And he was a little concerned, he said, I'm concerned about the music. And I said, well, what, what concerns you about the music? He said, well, at our home church we sing I Exalt Thee, song by Jack Hayford. I exalt thee, great song, I exalt thee. We sang it every week. It was kind of our anthem, kind of our call to worship in our church. And, and he said, you know, he said, we don't ever sing it. At Se- We've not sang it one time at Seacoast. And basically he said, in order for me to continue to worship here, we gotta sing it every once in a while. Well, I didn't handle it well, and they left. And uh, I won't say what I said, but I would have left too. If it, you know, I was 32 years old and just brilliant. You know what I'm saying? And, and so then um, uh, uh, there was another group of people that were from uh, a Word of Faith church that closed its doors the day we started, and there were about 30, 35 people that came to be a part of Seacoast, and, and uh, a person that kind of represented a few people from that church or group came in and said, uh, we're concerned about the weekend services. And I said, well, what are you concerned about? And they said, when are we gonna do this stuff? And I said, well, what's the stuff? And it's that they were used to uh, manifestations of the Holy Spirit, gifts of the Spirit, they said, operating during the service. I said, well, what does that look like for you? I said, well, sometimes somebody stands up and gives a prophecy or somebody will give a tongues and somebody else will have an interpretation. People will be slain in the spirit. They explain that to me a little bit. And then sometimes we'll even have a runner that will kind of get excited and run, you know, around a little bit during the message and nobody runs at all during your messages. And so I had to explain that while I affirmed all of that, it probably wasn't gonna be the normative thing, at least during our Sunday morning service. I, I explained that we didn't have to do everything we knew how to do every time we, we come together. There were purposes for that. And so some of them left. And so then a third group, there was an Anglican group that had gotten the left foot of fellowship from their church, uh, uh, kind of a boom, you're out. And... Uh, and so a representative of wonderful people, these are good friends of ours, came in and said, we're a little concerned about you know, the, the, where we're going. And I said, well, what are you concerned about? When are you gonna do this stuff? And I wondered what stuff that was. And it was the liturgy. You know, it was the kneel and stand and the communion and all of that every week. And, and so I was afraid they'd leave too. And I said, I'll learn how to do some of that stuff if you want me to. <laughs> and but, but here was the point, here was the point. Let, let, let me give you what the point was. So, so everybody thought they knew what they wanted. And here's what I think everybody wants. Everybody here in this place, all of your neighbors, 
Even those that are far from God, there, there are studies that will uh, justify this. If they could experience God, if they could experience an encounter with the holy God, we all desire that. We all, in, inside of us is built something that says, I wanna encounter God. Now what we think we want is the experience where we encountered that the last time that it happened. Does that make sense? Like for instance, the I exalt thee, that's where they encountered God and, and they thought that the experience that came from that was that song and so they related that. Those that were kind of wanted more of the, the other stuff, whatever it happened to be, whether it's liturgy or the, you know, the, the demonstrations of, uh, during the services, they experience, that was the experience where they encountered the holy God. And so what we wanna do is we wanna normalize that, okay, this is how it happened for me, and so we need to do it over and over and over again. But the truth is, wind is unpredictable. God wants to do something new and something fresh in each, each one of us. See, uh, God's presence is constant. The experiences change. In fact, Jesus said it this way. He said, the wind blows wherever it wants. You just can't put God in a box. Just as you can hear the wind, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, so you can't explain how people are born of the Holy Spirit. We want a system, but God is unpredictable. I think about um, in the New Testament, a guy brought his friend to church, brought him to Jesus, you know, and this is probably a guy who hadn't been to church, and you, whenever you bring somebody that, with you that hasn't been, you're always kind of worried that you know, things will be normative or normal or whatever. You, you, you don't understand it unless you bring somebody with you. And, and so he brought his friend to Jesus, and his friend is blind, and, and he's seen Jesus heal people, just touch him and heal him. And so he brings his friend, and he says, Jesus, could you, do, could you just touch him and heal him? Jesus said, sure, and he picks up some dirt and he spits in it, and he mixes it up, and this guy's going, no, no, that's, no, 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 that, that's not what I, I meant like just a touch, you know, let's, let's, this is gross, and then Jesus takes it and he smears it in the guy's eyes, and what happens? He can see. Why did Jesus do that? I don't know. It may have had something to do with, this is what you expect from me, but I work outside of your expectations. And the point is, we all need a fresh move of God in our life. But the wind is unpredictable. Here's another thing that we know about the wind is that it's powerful. It's powerful. Wind can generate electricity, it can sail a ship, and as we've seen in hurricanes, it can destroy a city. Wind is powerful. Many of us today, in this service right now, or you're watching online, or campus, wherever you are, there, there are many of us here today that are going through things that human power can't fix. We prayed for at least two people, I did last night after our services, that are going through things that there is no human answer to. And so what I would say is don't distance yourself from the power of God just because somebody put it in a package that turned you off that you didn't understand, that was offensive to you. Acts chapter one and verse eight says, but you will receive, say it together, power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. 
power, and our table fell apart just as I said power. Those of you who are wondering what's going on, it's all right. <laughs> power. Is anybody here facing something that you could use the power of God on your life? Anybody here? Yeah, I, I um, studied Charles Finney, read a lot of his books early on in my ministry. Charles Finney was a uh, Presbyterian preacher. He was a lawyer. Uh, he was one of the preachers that was responsible for what's called a great awakening, uh, where there were big revivals in the United States along the East Coast where whole towns would come to Christ. And Finney was explaining his encounter with the Holy Spirit one time, and he said this. He said, but as I turned and was about to take a seat by the fire, I received a mighty baptism of the Holy Ghost without any expectation of it, without ever having thought in my mind that there was any such thing for me, without my recollection that I had ever heard the thing mentioned by any person in the world, the Holy Ghost descended on me in a manner that seemed to go through me, body and soul. I could feel the impression like a wave of electricity going through and through me. Indeed, it seemed to come in waves and waves, I love this, of liquid love. Waves and waves of liquid love. For I could not express it in any other way. It seemed like the very breath of God. I can recollect distinctly that it seemed to fan me like immense winds. The power of the Holy Spirit. And many of us today, I would say all of us, but there are some of us that are crucially aware of the fact that we need the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The wind is unpredictable, the wind is powerful. Let me give you one more, the wind is refreshing. The wind is refreshing. It's like air conditioning in Charleston in the summertime, or air conditioning in Charleston in the fall. What is going on here? When is fall coming? I heard about a Charlestonian that died and didn't make the cut, he went to hell. And uh, he, he, he got there and he, kind of breathed, and he said, boy, it feels like a fresh breeze coming through here. So one demon looked at another demon, he said, what's up with that? First demon said, don't worry about it, he's from Charleston, and this is his first day here. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was funnier than that, but that's all right. That's all right. Maybe it's how I told it. So the Holy Spirit is like a cool north wind in the summertime. You know, the south winds are the ones that come from the south and they blow and it's always warm and the north wind is that cool wind that comes from the north. Here's what um, the Bible says about the wind of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter two and verse nine and 10 says this is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Now, I use that scripture a lot because it refers to what God has prepared for us. But look at the context to it. It says, but it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. God wants to reveal things to you by the spirit. Be careful, there are counterfeits, mediums and such. It's not the Holy Spirit. God wants to reveal, and we can talk about that more maybe in the, in the series. But God wants to reveal himself by the Holy Spirit, for his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deepest secrets. And so here's what I wanna challenge you to do. I wanna challenge you to go on a four-week journey with us in learning 
about the Holy Spirit. I remember uh, early on in ministry being so confused about this. Uh, I grew up, as most of you know, in a Pentecostal church. I saw good things. I saw uh, not as good of things. I, I saw that people had, maybe not necessarily in our church, but I saw that people had sensationalized and actually monetized the Holy Spirit. I began to question, honestly, the reality of the Holy Spirit in my own life. I remember thinking, you know what? It would just be a whole lot easier for me to eliminate this whole kind of mystical thing from my theology. So here's what I did. I went on a, about a four-week journey through the book of Acts. And I said, God, reveal yourself to me. Show me what's real. Show me what's true. And, and at the end of that four weeks, I knew mentally that there was a reality of the Holy Spirit in coming into people's lives, coming into the church, empowering, refreshing, all of those things. I knew that. About a year later, a year and a half later, I found myself pastoring a church. And, uh, you know, I told you about the little church in northern Illinois. If you've been here very long, we had about 13 members when we started. Started to grow a little bit. And we, we had about 60 people. And I can remember feeling totally overwhelmed totally overwhelmed by what people wanted from me. There were men that were coming to me and saying, I want you to lead me, I want you to disciple me. Can you help me be a better husband? Can you help me in, in, in our business, all that? And I felt I was not equipped at all, totally overwhelmed. And about that time, I got a call from the pastor of Northwood Assembly, Fred Richard, uh, here in Charleston, and he said, um, he said, I was praying for you this morning, and he said, I have a word for you. Now, he said, I don't know whether you believe in that or not, but he said, if you do, I've got a word. I said, well, give me a word. And he said, uh, there's a small gathering of men that's gonna happen uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, and I believe you're supposed to be a part of that. I said, well, I could do that, when? And he said, tomorrow. <laughs> I said, that's gonna take God, okay? And so I didn't have any money to fly. We were very, 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 very poor. And so I went to a farmer, a fairly wealthy farmer in our community, and I asked him if he would front me some money so I could fly to Atlanta, and so I did. And I'm, I'm burned out, I'm frustrated, I feel like I'm inadequate to the task of pastoring these 60 people, especially the men in the congregation. And, and I go there, and I have to get up way early, catch a bus from a little town where we're at, going to Chicago, fly, it's well before uh, dawn and then get down to Atlanta and then they had service that night and they had about 30, 35 men in a small, uh, young men in a small uh, meeting house. I was tired. I was uh, cynical, to be honest with you. Um, didn't relate really to any of the guy. I didn't know anybody there and they did some worship and I thought that was great. And the speaker began to speak and I really couldn't relate to him. And I was very critical of what he was saying. You guys don't do that, I appreciate that. But, but I was, I'm just being honest with you. He came down to the end of his message and he said, we're gonna respond to God. And I thought, oh boy, where, where do we go here? And he said, why don't you just, everybody just kinda kneel at your seat. We had kinda seats, you know, there were more hotel kinda seats, but seats like this. Just turn around, kneel at your seat, and just pray, and, and just see if God says anything to you. I thought, well, you know, maybe I can get a nap here, you know, whatever. And I turned to kneel down in my seat. And something happened to me that never happened to me ever before or since in my life. I went to kneel and I went down onto the floor. And about two and a half or three hours later, 
Somebody came in and said, we gotta turn the lights out. It's time to go, and it seemed like absolutely no time to me. During that time, I encountered the Holy Spirit in an incredible way. I relate to what Finney said. It felt like waves and waves and waves of love. I saw a vision for the first time ever in my life, probably the only time I've really seen a vision, and that vision was of a, of a grapevine, and I'd never seen a grapevine, a grape tree. I, I had no idea what they looked like, and there were clusters of grapes on there, and there were men that were coming and picking the grapes, and the Lord showed me that, that he would send men, not just in, in twos and threes and dozens, but it would be hundreds and thousands in my lifetime, and I would be equipped by the Holy Spirit to be able to feed and handle and, and deal with that. I got, up from that um, I got up from that place totally different. I've never been the same. I mean, I've had ups and downs, we all have that. Never been the same in ministry, never ever been the same. I remember climbing on an airplane going home and we had one of these kind of, you know, one of, those, uh, one of those flights, you ever been on one of those? I'm looking around and people are like, oh my God, are we going down? And I'm thinking, I should just stand up and say, this plane's safe, I'm on it, and I'm on a mission from God. Okay, I just, I really did, I felt like that. I felt, you know, I felt like that's, that's what's happening. Now, I'd like to tell you that that little church, it was just all glory. I came home, and not all heaven broke out, all hell broke out in our church. And I think it's because the enemy of the church wanted to confuse things. And I probably, at 24 years old, wasn't as wise as I could be. But God turned it around, and we began to grow, and, and, and it's the foundation of all that's happened in my life. Now, I hesitate to share that. I haven't shared it a lot, not because I'm ashamed of it, but because I noticed when I began to share that early on that everybody wanted an experience just like that. And I've only had one of those experiences once. I've had other experiences of refreshing of the Holy Spirit. But the point, the point is this. Is, is, is God wants to refresh you. God wants to encounter you. He has unique and individual ways. There's nothing to be afraid of. In fact, in Ephesians chapter four, it says, don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. So what's next? What are we gonna do? This next four weeks, I want you to do three things. I want you to, first of all, let go of your fears and misperceptions, all right? You may have some ideas about what God is up to and some fears and some things that you've heard and that you're afraid of and all that kind of, let's just let go of them. Let's do this. Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own, okay? Just trust God. Let's trust God. Second thing I want you to do is go all in. Go all in. See, you'll never find the best that God has for you by going in halfway. You just won't. Listen, the Christian life is, is intended to be all in. It lives well that way. It doesn't live well partially in. Have you ever been partially in? I have. It doesn't live well. And so I wanna challenge you. Go all in. In our church, Go all in, go all in. Uh, actually, today is the beginning of a monthly, like three-week series that we do behind the scenes called The Inside Track, and it's happening during our uh, next service and then the service after that. And I challenge you, if you haven't gone, go. You learn 
what the church is about and how God has created you and how you can make a difference. And then then begin to serve in the church and in the community and in the world and, and see what God has for you. Be a part of First Wednesdays where we just learn to really extend our worship in God. You'll never know how good it is with God until you go all in. In fact, Jeremiah 29 and verse 13 says, if you look for me wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly, doesn't say half-heartedly, wholeheartedly, you will what? You will find me. So over the next four weeks, let's not filter God. Filter God. Don't try to filter God. Just say, you know what, God, if you've got it, I want it, bring it on. What, all, what do you have for me? Bring it on. He'll meet you. And then the third thing is develop an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. That's what we're gonna do. Intimate friendship. The Holy Spirit has an important role in your life. In fact, in the next verse, you'll see kind of the role of all three members of the Trinity. This is a benediction, 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14. You know what a benediction is, it's the end of something. Uh, at the end of every one of our services, we do Ephesians 3:20. it's our benediction. Well, this is the end of a chapter, end of a book, it's a benediction. And I want us to read it out loud together. Can we do that, can you see it okay? May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with y'all. <laughs> right? Right? Talks about all three members of the Holy Spirit or members of the Trinity. He says, he says, the love of God. It's the love of God. May the love of God the Father. And some of us are really learning to experience that. That God's not mad at you. God's not trying to catch you doing something wrong. God loves you. Every morning, the first thought in my mind is that I have a heavenly father who's crazy about me. If he had a refrigerator, my picture would be on it, okay? He loves me, he loves me. And then the second person of the Trinity is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. God the Son saves me. It's by his grace, he, he saves me. And then God the Holy Spirit is with me. He's my friend, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit we need that. You know, I, I wanna close with this. Uh, in my friend Chris Hodge's book, he talks about the word doldrums. Some of you are in the doldrums right now. Do you know what doldrums are? You know, you just kinda feel, you know, you're trapped or not making any progress. And Chris explained something I, I didn't know. But doldrums is an old sea term. In fact, there's a, a place, uh, somewhere around the equator where the north winds and the south winds kind of meet each other. It's called the doldrums, and it's a place where oftentimes there is no wind. And if you were a sailor, you didn't have the power of an engine, if you sailed into the doldrums, you were kind of stuck. And I thought about that. Some, some of you feel stuck. Maybe you're watching online, you, you just feel stuck. Some of us feel stuck. Well, you know what? It's the doldrums. In fact, in sailing times, if you didn't get out, you died. And I think spiritually the same thing is true. So let's let a cool breeze, a cool wind of the Holy Spirit take us out of doldrums, take us out of, into life in Him. So what I wanna do is I wanna pray right now, if that's okay, I wanna pray with everybody. And let's just, uh, as we do, as we pray, as I'm praying, would you just, like take a deep breath in, just kind of symbolically of saying, you know what, 
I'm receiving the breath of the Holy Spirit. And then let's, let's begin a journey with him. Father, I thank you because you love us. We're learning so much about that, the fact that you care for us and you don't hold our sin against us. You judged all of that in Jesus Christ. Jesus, we're so thankful for what you've done for us on the cross. Holy Spirit, we're sorry that we have maybe relegated you to a lesser role. We desire for you to breathe on us. May you breathe a fresh breath of your air, of the Holy Spirit in Seacoast Church. God, we desire to really know you better. Lord, I pray that during our study together, even during today, that we'd put, put aside fears, put aside preconceptions, maybe the boxes that we've put you in, we release you to do whatever you wanna do in our lives. We go all in, all in. I'm going all in with you today. We ask that your kingdom would come and your will would be done in our lives and in our church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.